Surobi Africa Business Support Podcast with myself, Adam Spio, and my co-host, Jabu Ntua. Jabu, who do we have for our audience? A very compelling episode, I feel, from one of the pioneers of building a sports business hub, not only building the sports business within Africa and having such a deliberate approach to building the business of sports within Africa, but building a hub is even more than um, I think many are doing in the sports industry. And that is the individual we have today, an individual of great knowledge and expertise. He is the founder of Africa Sports Unified. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Africa Business of Sport podcast, Gabriel Ajala. Gabriel, thank you so much for making the time, man. And it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Obviously, you can't see it because I'm quite dark, but I was even blushing with your introduction, so I appreciate <laughs> Thank you so much, Gabriel. Uh, Adam, really excited about this episode, and I think we might as well just get right into it. Gabriel, how did your entry into the sports business begin? I mean, we you're now at sports, at Africa Sports Unified, rather. You founded that organization, and that is something we're going to get into later on in the podcast. But for you as an individual in particular, how did you start out in the sports industry, and what sort of tips and lessons do you have for other individuals who are still trying to break in the industry? Good question. So for me growing up, I was always involved in sport to be honest with you. Um, and well, just playing sports to a decent level. Um, my background is Nigerian. Born and raised in London, but with Nigerian parents. And so they were just really keen on education and not so much playing. So I just had opportunities to play and I was exposed to play in and have trials at football clubs, but my parents said, nope, even on Sundays I'm going to church or I just used to study. And so I've had quite an exposure to that whole world early on. <clears throat> and as I grew older and as at university, I wanted to I wanted to become a lawyer and I wanted to, you know, combine sports and law. It was quite early at that stage. But anyway, fast forward, I didn't do that. I done a master's in sports business, which I have no regrets about. Um, and that's where I kind of stumbled across, not stumbled, but just my eyes opened more to the opportunities in the sports industry, the various skills that you need that make up the sports industry. So like your, your sales, your marketing, administration, finance, um, all of that kind of stuff to be honest with you. So yeah, that's how I stumbled, not stumbled, but that's how I started out in the industry. And at first it was combining my legal skills so had wonderful opportunities working at discovery communications the media platform they owned the rights to the olympics so it was great working on that so talked to my colleagues to this day and a few other like boutiques sports law firms and agencies that i worked with so that gave me uh, a lot of experience i guess more exposure and knowledge with the sports industry yeah well just like me we have a background in sports business through the masters that we did unlike our initial dream of potentially going pro and one day being either the next DJ Drogba or the next um you know Jayachuru from Africa but we went to school we enjoyed the sports degree through the masters take us through your journey at Bergberg and how it was for you I don't know whether your experience was like mine where you were so so excited that although you didn't get to play, you still came close to where your patching is 
and how it's been for you since that time. Because it's very, very easy for people to look back and say that, oh, I shouldn't have done it. My skills in sports business. I mean, if it, if anybody thinks like that, I'm really sad for them. But I'm guessing that you're enjoying the journey as much as I am. Yeah, I loved it. I think before, I'd already say that I had a not enough relationship with education. But doing my master's, honestly, I enjoyed it. Um, it was great just sitting like in class, listening to various aspects of sports business. Honestly, it, it was fantastic. So, yeah, it was great. It gave me a lot of good foundation. I've done it with a good friend of mine as well. We went to university together. He's still, he's also in the sports industry as well, doing a great job. So, yeah, I have no regrets. It gives you a good understanding as well. Um, a wide, yeah, wide knowledge and understanding of the aspects of the sports industry. Um, some people may have certain perspectives or perceptions of working in the sports industry, but doing that master's really, that was an eye-opener. And just how the course was, they had loads of people in the industry come to give practical talks about what they do. So it's good for networking, but also the knowledge and insights. Um, I really enjoyed it. I still talk to my lecturers today, and yeah. obviously very busy, but yeah, it is amazing. If I can, if you do have the opportunity, of course, do your research, because I've done a lot of research, but do your research. And of course, if you have the, the means to do so, and you think it can take you to where you want to go, then definitely go for it. Just, you know, not just for the knowledge, but also for the networks. Yeah, 100%. It sounds like it was an eye-opening journey, as you're saying, and I'm fascinated to bring you in, Adam, because... Both of you, Gabriel and Adam, went on to do your masters abroad as Africans. It's fascinating to sort of find out for me how your journeys have sort of compared and contrasted. For you, Adam, after getting your masters at UCFB, how did you manage to sort of leverage that power of the masters? And maybe we can go on to Gabriel as to how did he improve his knowledge about the sports business by getting that masters? For me, I always knew that sports was my calling and it was quite frustrating for me to not be able to see me very early on. So at the moment that I had the opportunity, I'd already put in my mind that I am acing this, I am enjoying this. So there was a foundation. And just like you, Gabriel, I have an ex exceptional relationship with my lectures. Actually, they said, I remember one of them told me that when the course finished and they went for a retreat, all my lectures voted me as the favorite student, quote-unquote, the one that they had the privilege of teaching. That shows the power of being able to immerse yourself really and truly into something that you love and go all out. Just like you, Gabriel, I love the fact that we had guests coming in on Zoom and on other platforms to really enjoy time with them. The good thing of, about such a course is that it clarifies all the skepticism People will have towards a career in sports where, or, you know, in Africa, and I'm sure, Gabriel, you've heard this many a times that when you're not good in school, you, you go get involved in sports. But the truth of the matter is to be very successful in sports business, you actually need the education. You need to understand it very well to be able to not just start, but run things. And Jabu, you know, we started the podcast a day before I, I ended my dissertation and ended my uh, my master's and look at how the port has grown and every other initiative we've been a part of the articles we've written the conversations we've had with people the conferences that we've gone for all of these as as a result of the fact that i made that sacrifice to pursue 
A masters in sports business beyond my comfort zone. And now I'm benefiting from it. So for any young person who is thinking, should I start? Is it expensive? What can be done about it? Just literally do it. Just like Nike says, just do it. You would not regret at all. I agree with what you're saying to me. I think, so I'm based in London and I'm back back in one of my masters. And it was really good. It, it was great. Like I said, I think if people do have the opportunity to do so, then yeah, go for it. But I think a big pet peeve of mine is just the general level of education on the content um, around sports and sports business. It could be business side or the more performance side of things. The level of education isn't where it should be, to bounce with you. And because people aren't engaged, obviously we don't have a master, so that's like your what they call it, tertiary or side level education, but still a lot of the principles needed to work in sports like your marketing, just business, etc., can be taught earlier on. You don't need to be a master student to do that. So yeah, if those things are put into place earlier, that's great. And then secondly, frankly speaking, a lot of the courses and programs we've been fortunate enough to to embark on on a master's and it's been great. But a lot of the price points for maybe firing young professionals on the content you want to study is it's too expensive. So we need solutions that don't lack on quality, but can be affordable for your young people on the content. Want to get involved in sports or want to learn more. But yeah, I agree with what are you saying, but I'm just very conscious that maybe not everyone listening to this podcast has the means to, you know, pay for for masters for masters in sports. There are other ways that you can learn, particularly during your work experiences, etc. There are short courses that you can do online. Again, your marketing. I'm I'm stressing marketing, it's just a key aspect needed in sports. But you don't have to be in sports to learn. You can learn about marketing from various various sectors and then bring that into a sporting context. It's just like various other skills as well. But yeah, I do agree. I do agree with your sentiment. It was it was great. Practically speaking, it's really good. But at the end of the day, I guess it's down to the individual. If we were to fast forward to what you're working on now in your career, the Africa Sports Unified Organization is your brainchild if we were to call it that way. And today you've achieved partnerships with organizations such as the UN. I know you're doing that mentorship program very closely with them mm-hmm. in that later on. Mm-hmm. But if we were to take a step back and go back to that moment where you thought about Africa Sports Unified, what was the reason or the sort of motivations around you founding Africa Sports Unified and what did you want yeah. it to mean or have value to the African sports ecosystem? My inspiration was actually for my master's. So I was doing my dissertation and I decided to focus on MPFL. I think the title of the, MP- and the title of it was how women consultants can be involved to help with the commercialization of the league. I thought to focus on MPFL because again, I'm Nigerian. And also, I don't really see much content around sports in Africa, so I thought, why not? When doing so, that's basically where it actually started. I was trying to gather my references research and also why is there like there is no credible resources that I could go to that talks about uh sports business principles pertaining to the african sports market i was like that's mental for a content that's given so much to sports in general like with uh, the diaspora etc why are we lagging what we're really like we need to be building something sustainable but anyway so i was like fine let me fix this so the first idea was to do 
um, like quarterly magazine, just talking to people and like experience that I had in the sports industry. I spent a lot of time at an organization called SoccerX with like a brand ambassador, but I got to go to like four of their events, which was wonderful. And I spent some time at Needles as well, Needles Sports. And so, and just how things were moving, that's how I started ASU to be the, to unify the African sports business market, basically. Here's to me. Those are the things that happened inside those. So I thought, let's yes, try to bring all together and create a hub, a place where people, there's another gay girl who was studying was the finance sports market that she had a place that they can go to. So at first we're doing the podcast, we're doing content, but then it's evolved over time. But our whole purpose, our whole mission is to help to develop a sustainable and have sports business market. For me, I'm I'm always looking at the activities that come out from such initiatives because at the at the end of the day, what people will remember is the activities. What are some of the just talk to us through some of the collaborations that you've successfully done through and then put a bit of spotlight on the future leaders program for any of the young boys and girls listening to this episode right now. It's kind of we kinda of have four pinners in what we do. So we consult so one of the organizations that we're working with for a while is the UN, so United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, ECA, UNICA. So there's this whole new region in Africa called the ASCFTA free trade area. I met a member at London, we got talking, I think just before COVID, just when COVID started. So yeah, again, that whole ethos is to help the merge, the link between sports and the AFCFTA and how sports and world economies help to create opportunities, engaging with youth, women, people with disabilities, fostering, encouraging East Africa trade, etc. So there's loads of opportunities there. So the consulting events is the second pillar. We held a few obviously before COVID. COVID happened, so I'll feel we'll be um, doing the stream more again. And they'll speak for, it, for itself in terms of connecting the market and the individuals so that you, know, you can create ideas. And our third home is what we call the intelligence insights, which predominantly people know us more, I guess, what know us for most. So that's the podcast, the Goodline series. Now we've done like reports and research with the UN, had they been published at the time of recording, but it will do someday. How about what could do more of those as well? And that also incorporates our at the moment it's a monthly newsletter of the key things within the uh, Panafrican sports markets. So sponsorship deals, new initiatives, movement in the space, job opportunities. Again, it's a safe place that people with trusted sources of information, but also if they want to get information distributed. And then our final pillar is I guess our educational arm. The first edition that we've done was in collaboration with the UN. It was a mentorship program. That was really good. We had eventually 14 handpicked mentors and 14 mentees out of a list of like over 80. So that was great. But then obviously we've tweaked things, we've got some feedback, etc. And so now that's your, that's our future leaders program. And the whole idea of the future leaders is a program for your professionals with Young professionals either are on the continent or who have a vested interest in the Pan-African sports space to help build their network, increase their knowledge and capacity, etc., and help to expose them to actually what's happening in the sports space. So we'll have masterclasses of guest speakers from the industry, from variety, people on the continent, people in Europe who have a vested interest, come to give their experiences, and that's like an opportunity for the pole court to engaged to network to build etc and hopefully that will be our in the future that will be our bonafide 
educational out. So yeah, it's been good. The last one we done was great. We had someone intern at the UN through that and you just had really good feedback. We obviously done a post program survey that was really good. And um, other people that internships at the back of that as well. And again, you know, the whole purpose of that is as much as developing leaders on the field is important, just as important is developing leaders off the field. And so again, fitting into our mission of developing our Pan African sports space, if we can engage the young professionals and increase their social capital and give them an insight, a better insight of life behind the scenes, quote unquote. And then again, that's us safeguarding and raising and maintaining the level of standards and professionalism that's needed to develop something sustainable. Now, moving on to something that you briefly touched on in terms of strengthening professionalism and the professionalism basically within the sports business, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. How does ASU view how we can, as Africa, as 54 countries, it's just such a big, complex continent. And I can imagine sports business can be even more complicated or even more challenging to coordinate within that context. How does ASU view the challenge, I would say, of strengthening professionalism and the governance as well of sport within Africa? Collectively, we view it as a, it's a big challenge, big in terms of the scale of it, and as you mentioned, we're over 54 countries, or doing their own thing. It's a big challenge. It is a big challenge because, let's face it, in other continent, sports isn't, although it's seen as a hobby still, sports isn't a priority for your average person, right? So they're just looking to get by, provide needs, etc., um, as most people do. And so to actually engage with, and please, like, this is like research that we've done, that I'm saying this. And, um, you know, people that engage with sports, etc., need a certain disposable amount of income. And likewise, if you want to be invested. But things are changing in terms of access to content, free radio, uh, free to air content as well, which is amazing. I recently just published like a thought piece on my four steps to change our narrative from potential to reality. Because everyone's talking about potential. And I just laughed because I just mentioned it as well. But there is a lot our potential, but it does need to be realized. Again, it goes back to education, predominantly, as the foundation of things. Yeah, I mean, one key word I took out of that was collaboration. And just like you, Jabu and I believe in the power of collaborating with who people generally term as your competitors within this space here in Africa, because the ecosystem is somewhat young as compared to the global West and the global North. We need to rather come together and work together to build together so that everybody sees the collaborative effort being put through. And with that, I know that there's so many similar or so many organizations within the continent that have a similar goal and a similar approach to uniting um, sports within Africa. One of the top events that Jabba and I had the pleasure of previewing last year very early on on the podcast was for the um, Africa Football Business Summit, which is being led by Brian Wissala of the Football Foundation for Africa. Now, I know that such events, as well as WFS Africa and other ones that 
may not be necessarily big on the continent, but have some form of traction like we see with Afrosports Summit here in Ghana. What are your thoughts on how collaborations can be brought through for such events to genuinely leverage on the lessons learned? Because it's one thing to go for a conference, be around the people, network, but not really take anything from it and let it impact you and improve your business. And it's another thing to go for these things and you can see a direct impact on your initiatives. I mean, Jabu can attest to this. After three months of running the podcast and being present at WFS Africa, when we returned from that conference, the podcast shifted to a different gear and now we are benefiting from not only the conversations, but the network and the lessons we took on that. So how can Africa leverage on massive collaborations between such initiatives where although they are separate and they're spread across, there can be a combining aspect, a combination point where people genuinely benefit from this and are able to impact their own initiatives in any way. Well, no question. I know both Brian and Prince are always in the same WhatsApp group, etc. But I think that just answers your question regarding my perception of like collaboration. The African or Pan-African sports space is still in its infancy. And so we had a wonderful opportunity to shape or to instill the values that we want to, the values that we want to instill in the sports space, right? And so that's also how we relate one another and there's our values. Collaboration should definitely be one of them. Um, especially because it's so young as well. And the space, like I said, it's a niche. It's a new space of a new space. Let's just collaborate. It's better to leverage and use other people's skills and strengths, understand your weaknesses and just collaborate. Find the right deal, the right way to collaborate and then go for it. 100% I agree. Um, would it be like that in the future? No, as the market grows, there'll be more competition, there'll be more opportunities, etc. But still, those core values shouldn't at the part. I know it definitely won't depart myself etc um, and that's not to say as well that everyone want to collaborate there's definitely people who I've reached out to one one million percent there's people I've reached out to on whatsapp or linkedin they haven't read it or they've read it and they're like ah no um, not going to respond or this person doesn't benefit me um, yeah just to be clear like but not all that's not being naive. There's some there's an aspect of this like they're cuts to all. They look at you. If they can't see your value, they're not going to engage with you. But you just have to know your own value and continue. If you have a strong vision and the purpose, just continue with that. And as my good friend, um, well, my gosh, sorry guys. I forgot this guy. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I remember. Sorry. Forgive me, Angle. As my good friend of Jay Rafflin always says, he says it. You know, if you do it, they'll come. Just continue to have that vision. Obviously, collaborate, be smart, be strategic. And then things will things will start to happen. Um, that definitely a testament to that as well. But yeah, I also think that... So just quickly go back to the previous point about strengthening professionalization, etc. And how things will grow. Definitely cases such as the basketball African definitely help. You know, at ASU, we like to look at things from a holistic level. And say holistic because oftentimes, in our opinion, things pertaining to Africa is usually, um, what's the word? 
It's usually like from a developmental perspective or grassroots or funding. Mm. Yeah. Which in isolation isn't great because for us to actually develop a role, we can't be always feeding up scraps or, you know, being development or other organizations giving funds, which is which is good overall, which is good, but that can't be the only thing. It can't be isolation. So when I say holistic, we like to look at things from the bottom up and also the top down. So initiatives such as the Bicycle African Bicycle African League has really got governments, investors, those kind of people, maybe deeper pockets, who are key for the whole ecosystem. Um it's got their attention. And so for the Bicycle African League it's a it's a clear case study of what can actually be if you spend your time investing and doing the groundwork, but what can actually be achieved. Is Bicycle African League the, the building indoor? No, there's definitely probably ways that they can uh, continue to grow and develop. Um, but it's a great case study. And now we see other organizations, other sports trying to come in similar ways, but we definitely need that top down approach. So I think mm. in isolation, developmental is not good, but we're looking at it holistically. And I think a lot more opportunities and a lot more things um, will happen and that will create a lot more of a domino effect across the whole value chain, mm. wider sports, the wider um, sports market. But yeah, collaboration is definitely, definitely needed. Um, given opportunities to the ecosystem, collaborating, we're in a global industry, but for Africa to grow, you need to give opportunities to people on the ground. Well, see how they go, like give them the opportunities to grow. Um, yeah, that's just my perspective. I like how you keep saying given opportunities to grow. And for me, when, when, when it comes to that, and you also mentioned grassroots, I'm very bullish when it comes to the youth. I'm always saying that create things for the youth. Even if you wouldn't create things for the youth, provide platforms where the youth can't come and fill a store and know that they're co-creating with you. And the word creates is very powerful because content creation is now a buzzword among the youth, wherever you find yourself on the planet, whether you're a Gen Z in the US, you're a Gen Z in the UK, wherever you are, platforms like TikTok, like Instagram, like Snapchat, like Twitter, Facebook are becoming powerful platforms because young people are having the opportunity to create content that fits to their audience and whatever they are passionate about. When it comes to sports here on the continent, yes, it's brilliant to have, you know, bigger institutions, wider organizations and initiatives that tend to tackle for everybody. But just as we see in Europe, we need more, um, both, I would say fund-led for, for the word fun led for for lack of a better word, but we need more initiatives being run by the youth for the youth so that it shows as though they are actively listening to what we are saying because there's there's a lot of um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Youth fishing if I may if 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 I may where they promise things especially with politicians but they don't do anything to back it up. And it's 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 so problematic here in sports where so many young people at a very young age, you know that they don't go pro, but they would love to be in the world of sports. So if you create synergies at a very young age for them to be a part of a big marketing partnership, fund engagement, whatever it is in the business side of sports, like you were saying, even before going to do a master's in sports business, you've given them the platform to spread their wings. You've given them the platform 
to grow within the sports. And the direct benefit of this is that when these young people which late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, they are fit, well big and ready to run these organizations, having the, both the experience and the expertise directly from the things that they've been a part of, bringing the ideas on board. So there's no more, you know, excuses like, oh, we don't have experts, we don't have people within the game. Now there are people within the game because you give them a chance very early on. So for me, that is really it for me. More youth opportunities in sports in Africa need to be rolled out to be made very affordable and to be made impactful so that we can directly measure what the benefits are to us. Do you know what? I agree with what you're saying, but play devil's advocate. But no, complete. I completely agree with everything you said. But I'm thinking of it from a sports organization, right? Where you just, need, you just need a structured plan or conveyor belt, and this goes back to education, because you know, the, we need we need young people. We need young people who know their skills and know what they're doing. The two of you exactly not fit that criteria. But can that be said for the wider continent? I don't know. I don't know every young person who comes in, but I do know there could be a level of education around, like I said at the beginning, sports business principles. So if you're playing for, imagine you're at the BAL, you're running, you're running the team, and you need something done. You want to find the right people. Are you just gonna give an opportunity to a, a young person, maybe someone older, who actually has the skills? Like it's, it's a no-brainer. So I do agree with you. We do need organisations like you've mentioned that maybe focus on developing youth or creating programs for youth. But at the same time, we also need to acknowledge that this is not in sports. Unless you're like an NGO or anything like that, it's about profit making. You need the sharpest minds in your organization to innovate, right? Um, so it's about finding that balance. And I think a lot of people are understanding that. It's about knowing who provides that, the that the whole value chain. <laughs> I keep saying that. So like, obviously we have the Future Leaders Program, but I think personally for us, we're keen to always engage with young people, bring them on board and give them the practical skills to learn, and then they can do whatever. But you do need, it's not about what you have. We're small teams, so you have that, but it's just about what you have, what you need. Um, obviously, we have opportunities for young people, but you need them to have certain, a basic level of whatever it is so that they can maybe pick things up quicker than maybe others. Let me tell you, it's more sense. So you can find that right, that right balance. But yeah, I definitely agree with you, creating those opportunities. But as you said, giving them, just give them the opportunity. You see how they do. You can do a program, you can give them a certain project, let them run with it. They'll probably come back to you with so many more ideas that you weren't aware of, or things, or ways in which things can work. But yeah, playing them with at the same time, I do agree with what you're saying. It's clear to see that young people always be part of the solution, especially within the sports business. They're not only the Gen Z fans that all these brands internationally are looking for, especially within Africa, a continent that is growing strength by strength every single decade in terms of the population. But in terms of the sports business and how we can grow and improve more sports professionals within Africa, young sports professionals, as you say, Ed, who are passionate about sports and want to be involved, whether they are athletes or not, 
So that's an interesting point in terms of how through the Future Leaders program, but throughout your general philosophy in terms of how you see young people as that solution. Now, to wrap up the podcast on, you know, maybe an issue that we have spoken about for a very long time on this podcast with different individuals within the sport business as well. I think I can go back to even episode three where we spoke about the power of global sponsorships. From your end as Africa Sports Unified and all the individuals you have worked with, your establishment, and as well as you, Gabriel, from the individuals you've spoken to, the conversations you've had, attracting international sponsors to African sports has clearly been an issue for a very long time. I think that is the sort of African sport problem, if you want to put it that way. We spoke about it with Cabello Bosilong, who is the general coordinator of CAF, and he continually emphasized the point that African sport needs to bring more sponsorship and commercial partnerships into sport. Because, you know, as much as we can speak about how much we can improve the grassroots, the professionalism, you know, Africa sits at a certain point within the global hierarchy and economic resources are clearly something that we can do with in terms of growing our sport and amplifying what we're trying to do on the continent. So for you, from your experience and what you've seen and the work you've done with Africa Sports Unified, how important is it that international sponsors are brought into Africa? We're not only speaking about football, um, but every single sport here. We know Africa Super League is on the hunt for major sponsors with a new competition. There are a plethora of other competitions and sports which need investment within Africa. How do we attract international brands and sponsors to truly show their African interest intentionally and the prowess commercially to build these competitions and to invest in the competitions and athletes that we're trying to build within Africa? Yeah, it's a very good question. This is this is all you do in my mind. I have a simple analogy to you. put your house and sell. And you're having showings people to come view your house. You're gonna make sure that your house is looking the best. You've tidied it up, looked at all the cracks, all the nuts, and you've just sorted it out. And I think that analogy I can bring back to the context of our conversation in terms of in Af- African football, this is to African sports in general, you take a house in order. And what do I mean by getting a house in order? So I think when I first started, it's having conversations with people. We like, oh yeah, we can get we're looking for sponsorship for X amount, but I don't know the basic data or insights for, for example, how many people you have come to the game, how many people are watching. Things are changing now, or have changed, should I say? The increase of professionalization. You obviously have we had Afcon, Afcon, the women's Afcon broadcast, other continents globally, basketball African get central. But I just feel, in order to attract international sponsorship. You just need to get the foundations right and continue to grow and develop. But I also say international sponsorship is not, it's not the, the land from milk and home, you know, right? African as a continental pro. We have a, a lot of wealthy individuals. How many, how many sports athletes are of African descent? Look how many football athletes have gone into like uh, governance positions. We're not short of like investment opportunities. Just look at how many global Organizations have like races in Africa in general. So sponsorship doesn't discriminate. As long as you have the funds available for what you're looking for, then yeah. So even to answer your question, I don't think international sponsorship alone can do it. Yes, it can definitely help with maybe exposure and entering new markets, which depending on your business plan could be very crucial um, to grow fan base, etc. That could come collaboration as well. 
there we have it everyone Gabriel Ajala of African Sports Unified who has been doing such an exceptional job within the space of sports business in Africa especially from the UK with a huge focus here I'm always so excited when I see people who go beyond their comfort zone to create synergies in places where the synergies are not existent but yeah Gabriel continue to do the good job we are here championing you and to support you to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us and really giving us your ears. Till we meet again next week, goodbye.